0: Are you ready to overcome the complexities and burdens that come with your success? Join the team at Centura Wealth Advisory in the Live Life Liberated podcast. Now, on to the show.
1: Hello and welcome to Live Life Liberated with the team from Centura Wealth Advisory. Today, Derek Myron is in front of the mic. He's got a special guest on the show, and that's Brent Golova. Brent is the Managing Director of Vantage Point Advisors, which was founded in 2005 in San Diego. They are a leading provider of valuation services for transactions, tax, financial reporting, regulatory compliance, and litigation support. Derek, sounds like you got a great guest on the show today. What are you guys talking about?
2: We're going to talk about all kinds of things that are going on in the valuation world. And I'm just thankful to be back here with you today, Eric. So uh, thanks for having us. Brent, welcome to the show. Yeah. Thank you
3: for having me. I'm, I'm happy to be here.
2: Great. Why don't you kick us off Brent and tell our listening audience about your background, education, and family before we get into valuation services. Sure. Yeah. So I'm originally
3: an East Coaster. I'm from Pennsylvania, born and raised. I started my professional career at Standard & Poor's corporate value consulting which was then bought by Duff and Phelps and then taken public actually. Duff and Phelps kind of became the, the largest global provider of valuation services as a pretty well-known global brand at this point. Maybe, maybe the, the largest one, you know, that's how I started my career. That was after graduating from Penn state with a degree in finance. My, my very beloved alma mater. After working at, at Duff and Phelps for a few years, I actually went into industry and worked in, in corporate development for a few years for a public company, kind of structuring acquisitions and deals and, and doing some general corporate finance. That was you know, all kind of on the East Coast again, Philadelphia, a little bit of work in New York. And then after spending a couple years in industry, I wanted to get back to the consulting side of things and found my way to San Diego. And I've been here for over 10 years now and have been working in valuation consulting all of that time. I've been with vantage point advisors now for about eight years. I think it is then there's family wise. I'm, I'm married to also a, a fellow Pennsylvanian in Penn Stater. My wife, Carly owns a recruiting firm here in, in town in San Diego. And Carly and I have two terrific daughters. Bryn is four and Riley is one.
2: Sounds like you have, you and your wife have your hands full, lots of things going on at the Glova household. Let's talk about vantage point and vantage points, ideal client. Who do you guys serve and serve well?
3: Yeah. So this is an interesting one, Derek. I know that, you know, every sales training and and networking group that, that. Is out there tells you that you should really have your ideal client defined really succinctly. I can say that I don't, and that's with good reason. Vantage Point is a really diverse firm in terms of our offerings for valuation services. And what that means is we can kind of do anything that encompasses business valuation. And what that equates to in terms of clients that we work with is it's really a, a full spectrum. You know, we work with billion dollar market cap public companies. All the way down to you know smaller mom and pop construction companies locally here in southern california or elsewhere so it really runs the gamut and so to say you know my ideal client is a a middle market pe backed company with 50 million dollars in revenue it's just not really the case because what we do is so diverse and the clients we work with is equally
2: diverse So it sounds like both on size and industry, you guys are doing valuations across the board for, for business owners in Southern California and across the country.
3: Yeah, that's right. I mean, like I would say personally, I have a couple specialty industries. I work a lot in the biotech and life science industry, and that's, you know, being headquartered here in San Diego, that's kind of naturally fits with our, our homegrown economy. I also do a lot of tech breweries. But that's not to say those are the only three industries that I work in, it's, it's really across the board.
2: Well, that's great, Brent. Tell us about what are the key differentiators that distinguish VPA from your competitors? What are the things that your clients say, or do you believe are the key differentiators that you guys offer at VPA? So I'd say the one thing, and this is kind of the
3: value prop that we always put out there you know, in marketing and kind of client onboarding and prospecting, You know, all of us at the senior level have come from, you know, kind of the big global valuation brands. You know, myself from Duff & Phelps, others from Duff & Phelps. We've got people from Houlihan Loki, Goldman Sachs, the valuation groups of the big four accounting firms. So we've all kind of been trained and built our expertise at the really, you know, the largest global, global brands in terms of valuation. But we've basically taken that expertise and experience to a boutique setting where we can offer you know that same level of expertise and technical acumen but you know with a a better level of client service much higher responsiveness and you know because we're kind of operating in that boutique setting you know a a smaller company is not going to get kind of brushed under the rug or put aside as, as not really a high priority we're basically able to to offer the same level of service to To all of our clients depending and essentially size doesn't matter one of the other things that i would say you know there's plenty of boutiques out there obviously and a lot of boutiques will market themselves as really full service and in fact that's really not true for a lot of boutiques you know there's certain areas that other valuation boutiques say they can do but maybe really can't you know, can they really do the public company derivative valuation that needs done? Maybe not, but Vantage Point can. Or, you know, on the flip side of things, do they offer kind of litigation support and forensics and divorce valuation in addition to everything else that they have? And and so that's kind of where we differentiate is other firms say they're full service. And we, I think, really, truly are. And I think, you you know, our clients would attest to that based on, you know, the, the work that they do with us and, and their experience working with different managing directors different teams within vpa that kind of help them with all of their different needs
2: sounds like you guys need a counter for the number of heads because it's happening it's occurring so quickly at uh, vpa
3: yeah we've we've made a bunch of of really great hires over the past couple uh months as as we continue to grow we've got a bunch more kind of in the pipeline you know I was just going through this with our HR the other day but you know, there's probably, you know, there's, there's at least a handful of, of, of hires that we still need to make. And, you know, when you're, when you're talking about that number for a firm that's, you know, 20 or 25 uh, people as it is, it's a big deal. So, got a lot of growth and a lot of growth in headcount planned as well. So, it's pretty exciting.
2: That's fantastic. So, it sounds like the, the market must be extremely busy with you guys hiring this many folks. What do you see in the marketplace today?
3: a lot of things but i think a good way that i that i've been kind of summarizing this to to kind of peers and clients is and it's kind of a trendy and a bit cliche term uh, but i'm going to use it anyway fomo fear of missing out if you're not familiar with that or maybe in a in a, a financial sense fear of missing opportunity and i think what that means is know we are busier than we probably ever have been in our 15-year history of the firm and it's really this FOMO concept business owners high net worth individuals they're feeling like they need to take advantage of the now because no one really knows when this the window in time that we're in right now is going to close and so there's this urgency with everything and that's really what's been driving us to be so busy, right? And then the concepts there, valuations are are br- really high right now. The US equities market seems to set a record, you know, every other day. The M&A market's raging and the 2021 tax landscape, you know, probably looks a lot better than what the 2022 tax landscape is going to look or thereafter. So that's creating this fear of I need to do this now, and that's driving a bunch of different valuation needs essentially
2: so i think the the probability of 2022 looking worse from a tax perspective than 2021 is probably a very high likelihood i we, we hear that from our clients as well you said the vantage point is the busiest it's ever been why don't you drill into what's driving all that work in new clients can you kind of segment out that for us today
3: Yeah. So, you know, I I said earlier that we are really diverse in what we do and the offerings that we have. So I don't know. I I can list a few uh, that have, you know, kind of made me so busy over the past year or so. And that's not necessarily what's making all of our our people so busy, but it's, you know, probably a lot of it. So I'll kind of go down the list. The first is IPOs. We do a lot of pre-IPO financial reporting work which you know is really complex needs to be done in a really short time frame to basically get companies SEC ready with their financial statements and then to ultimately go public and then you know here locally there's been a few signs in the biotech IPO market which is you know a a big portion of of the IPO market over the past year or two it's probably somewhere about half of the IPOs there's been some signs that that may be cooling so again, there's this urgency for companies that were contemplating that path to accelerate their timeline and kind of, again, do it now. Also, you know, kind of on the the go public side of things, there's SPACs, Special Purpose Acquisition Companies. It, it's kind of the same concept there where there's again been some signs that the SPAC market is cooling a bit. And so there's this, this rush to kind of get out and and, you know, form your SPAC, find your deal sooner rather than later. There is also a really interesting thing that happened about, I guess it's two and a half, three weeks ago, the new SEC chairman came out with essentially some new accounting and valuation guidance that was you know, essentially created to to cool the, the SPAC market, or at least put a pause on things. And the result of that was this huge influx of valuation work need to help these SPACs kind of fix their financial statements under this new guidance. And so, you know, there's been myself and some others at vantage point, that's what, you know, the past week or two has really consisted of is, you know, fielding calls on how to address this stuff and then kind of building financial valuation models for a concept that had never really been out there before. So that was kind of a pivot and react very quickly to kind of help some of our SPAC clients. So in, you know, in addition to the, the go public route that that's really kind of keeping us busy, there's, there's also the stuff that we're working on, you know, kind of during any cycle, but there's the volume right now is a lot higher and that's, you know, kind of M&A support valuations and ESOPs. So ESOP transactions, again, are, are hot for a couple of reasons. Again, valuations high, tax picture looks good this year in comparison. And so you have a lot of baby boomer owner founders that are evaluating that path or have been evaluating that path for a long time and now they kind of think let's get this transaction done in 2021 while again that window is still open
2: brent can you define what is an esop
3: yep so employee stock ownership plan and I, i think the easiest way to break this down simplistically is it's basically the original owners of the company create an internal transaction and effectively sell a portion or the entirety of their company to the employees and basically take chips off the table over time via, you know, some upfront consideration perhaps and a note, uh, a seller finance note, maybe some bank bank financing, but it's, it's essentially a friendly internal transaction is probably the best way to define it.
2: Okay, what else is happening in your market? How about uh, estate and gift? How hot is that market for you this, this year? <laughs>
3: yep, Derek, this is one that you know, I think all too well, but you know that is one of the, the probably the biggest drivers that's keeping us busy. And I think that volume is only going to pick up uh, the second half of the year. But essentially we're doing a lot of estate and gift planning valuation work. And the reason for that is, you know a lot of business owners are kind of operating under the assumption that the gift tax exemption will be greatly reduced in 2022 and beyond and that perhaps the gift and estate tax rates will increase as well you know i think the for the 99.5% act you know the original version of that that came out We were talking about reducing the gift tax exemption from 11.7 million for couples down to 1 million and you know the top tax rate on on gifts was you know some astronomical number that derek maybe you know better than i but significant increases and, and really a change in the landscape and so you know who knows if that will actually pass at those levels it's probably unlikely but either way everyone knows that the the gift in a state uh tax situation is going to change next year so there's a big rush to get all of the generational gifting and estate planning work kind of done this year in 2021.
2: absolutely so Bernie Bernie Sanders publishes his 99.5 act on March 25th and since then you see all kinds of different things being published whether what Biden said or what other senders have published what we do know is each of those things is like a little pebble into the pond causing waves causing clients to take action the date they publish this tax act i mean we are already deluged i cannot imagine what will happen i mean those are little pebbles in the hit in the pond I, it's like a mammoth boulder will hit there and the wave that all those all those professionals that serve those those families it's going to be crazy in my opinion. Brent, with all the valuation work keeping you so busy that you've have you seen valuation methods pivot as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic, this past year's market volatility or the current valuations of the equity markets? How how have you seen things change over this past year?
3: Yeah, it's been a pretty wild ride to try to keep up with pretty ever changing valuation landscape. You know, I I will say that the the core valuation methods that we use never really change, but the reliance on certain methods kind of pivots and evolves depending on where we are in a, in a market cycle. So it's, it's definitely been a, a wild ride and I think everyone is, is fairly aware of kind of some general business valuation lingo uh, a lot of people you know we hear folks talk in market multiples right one times revenue ten times ebitda et cetera. these are normally market multiples that are derived from you know either public company valuations or kind of precedent m a transactions that have recently happened in the market it, it was interesting at the onset of covid you know, kind of Q1, Q2 of of last year, the, the general consensus among the valuation community was, you know, we really shouldn't be, you know, placing too much reliance on those transactions that have occurred because all of the transactions, frankly, had occurred prior to COVID. And we didn't really know what the COVID environment was going to do to market multiples. The assumption was they were all going to go down. So to use multiples from pre-COVID times to value companies during COVID times, you know, theoretically didn't make sense. So, you know, last year we kind of pivoted away from relying too much on transactions, thought that the public company uh, multiples and public company valuations were maybe more indicative of kind of current pricing. Then you, you fast forward a year and, you know, the mar- the public markets have gone have gone absolutely crazy and things continue to go up and you know now we're kind of faced with the challenge of you know are public company valuations right now truly indicative of private company value yep so with, with public company valuations right it's interesting you know how do pri- how does private company worth kind of keep up and and, and is that the correct assumption you know, like I said earlier, we have a lot of IPO clients, right? A lot of our IPO clients historically would run a dual process, right? They would be, you know, going down the path of potentially going public, but also kind of gauging strategic interest at the same time. What we've seen over the past year is, is most of them aren't doing a dual process, at least, you know, in, in the sectors that we're doing a lot of IPO valuation work and the reason they're not doing a dual process is because you know they're basically hearing from strategics you know mr strategic says we can't pay the the valuation that you're going to fetch in the public markets and so that dual process has been somewhat off the table and you know maybe from a valuation perspective that is somewhat representative of how we should be looking at valuations with a little bit less reliance or at least some level of hedging on the public company valuations when valuing a private company we also have the sometimes tough job of also trying to hedge against whatever market bubble we we may see out there or market bubbles and that kind of becomes part of your job as a evaluation practitioner is is paying attention to those macroeconomic climates and making sure that the value today is is actually indicative of, you know, the future cash flows of the company based on what's going to happen at a macro level.
2: For sure. With the pandemic and the federal government saying we're going to drive interest rates down to zero, we're going to really loosen monetary policy and flood the market with cash, it has definitely driven valuations of stocks, real estate, and bonds to all-time highs. With that backdrop, what likely market bubbles are you seeing or do you think about in your current valuation work
3: right well you know despite what i just said this is always one of those tough things where i i hate being in the business of trying to make economic predictions and i'll also say that you know i've probably been wrong for the past three or four years where i you know i've told clients and peers you know things can't keep going the way they're going and they have so I'll provide that qualifier before I give you one or two, Derek.
2: I think to be fair, Brent, though you you made that those statements to clients and peers and whatnot, and the, what you didn't have the knowledge of is the federal government was going to spend ten trillion dollars to prop it up. So I think you get a little bit of a, a pass there, <laughs> right? Couldn't have predicted that,
3: but yeah, yeah. So so a few a, a few bubbles that there may be worth mentioning, right? You know the the first is the easy one that that I think Derek you just kind of alluded to is, you know the public equities market, you know even before COVID we were on a ten year upcycle in, in terms of valuation and and market caps, you know how much longer can can that go on, and then and then further you see that the, you know I mentioned this a little bit earlier but the valuation hierarchy is kind of flipped and inverse right now, right I said that. IPO valuations are, are beating strategics. And then even more interesting, you have private equity outbidding strategics and willing to play greater multiples than strategics are willing to pay with synergies baked in and everything. And that's an interesting dynamic that you certainly haven't seen historically. But you know, the the public equity markets is is definitely one. And then, you know, you know, you also mentioned real estate, Derek. You've got, you know, both residential and commercial real estate you know on the residential side if you believe estimates out there my house has doubled in value since 2015 does that really make sense probably not at least not to me and then you know you have the concept of the the foreclosure and forbearance moratorium you know what happens when that comes to an end later this summer you know when was the last time you saw a foreclosure on the market so that's, that's an interesting concept on the residential side. And on the commercial real estate side, how do you repurpose, I don't know what the percentage is, half of the office space in the United States that is you know, underutilized right now? How, you know, how does that repurpose and kind of go back out into the economy without creating some major financial impacts? You know, I think we'll, we have to wait and see but you know that's you know the the real estate bubble both residential and commercial certainly seems like could be an issue
2: sounds like there's a lot to digest for the markets over the next several months seeing how some of these programs unwind and how much money is available to soak up these inventories so we shall see what advice uh do you have to business owners or high net worth families trying to navigate the current financial climate.
3: Earlier, kind of at the onset of this conversation, I mentioned that one of, the, one of the factors that's kind of driving financial professionals like myself to be so darn busy is this, you know, this kind of this fear factor of how long can this last? And, you know, maybe that isn't entirely irrational to be thinking like that. We're certainly sitting during kind of, we're sitting in financial high times right now. And that's, you know, kind of despite the fact that we're in the middle or on the back end of a pandemic, that really should suggest a different reality. Right. So, you know, the various paths that, that business owners have to liquidity, all of the things that I mentioned that were keeping us busy earlier are all red hot. And again, the tax situation is, you know, I, we think is going to get worse next year. And certainly it's even more challenging here locally in California. So the time really does feel like it now's the time essentially. And I think what that means from like a planning standpoint is it's really important to start your process now, again, now seems to be the, the summarizing point here. I think the average timeline of an M and a transaction is about six months. And so, you know, if for liquidity, tax reasons, whatever it may be, you know, you feel like you need to sell your business this year or you want to, you know, it's almost too late. You know, we're, we're in May. So, you know, kind of starting down that path sooner rather than later is definitely going to be to your advantage. And then there's the, the trusted advisor factor. It, it takes a really uh, great set of advisors to Sell your business or implement a complex tax strategy, and I think you're going to find that this year those people are going to be in really high demand. Derek, you and I are in a in an advisor group together, and we heard earlier this month from everyone in that group that you know to summarize, everyone had a terrific 2020, uh, 20, maybe it was a record, and everyone's even busier this year, and. You know what that told me my takeaway there was is again those really good advisors that you need to implement all of these different strategies and liquidity options are going to be in high demand and you kind of need to get engaged with them
2: yeah i I would even say you're probably late to the party even if you're starting today but if this is you the listening audience contact your people right now if your work is going to go into fourth quarter be prepared to possibly pay maybe 2x the amount of fees and you may or may not get it done so my recommendation to the listening audience if this is you whether it be liquidating a company or doing estate and gift planning for your family to figure out how to minimize future wealth transfer taxes get started and get started early
3: right and and derek you'll remember this but the 2011 fiscal cliff, we ran into this same concept where the advisors, everyone was trying to rush to get, you know, their, their tax planning, their gifting done before the end of the year. And all of the good advisors were basically, you know, maybe too busy to take your call. You know, I know valuation firms at the time were charging 200, 300% premiums to their normal market rates. And you know, if you called in Q4 and said, you know, I need to get this done by year end, you were maybe not getting a callback or you were just getting a no. And so, you know, it's to to further Derek's point, you know, it's you want to get engaged on this stuff now where you may just run out of time for for this for this tax year.
2: Brent, fabulous information. Tell the listening audience how they can get a hold of you if they need valuation services.
3: Right. So, you know, kind of all the standard forms of communication. My email is bglova at vpadvisors.com. You can also check out our website, vpadvisors.com. The team section, I think all of our contact information is there. And then I am uh, also available on LinkedIn and responsive.
2: Fantastic. Eric, why don't you wrap it up for us today?
1: yeah absolutely derek i do want to say one thing it sounds to me like this is something that's quite urgent i mean there's there's a sense of urgency in your voice and and also in brent's am i reading that correctly
2: that's correct i think that there is a unbelievable opportunity here and i think that many 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 clients who have estates large estates have not taken advantage Don't miss the opportunity. It's a banner time to take advantage while all these factors are in your favor. High valuations, low interest rates, fantastic tax law to take advantage of. Take advantage before many of these things very
1: likely will change. Yeah, absolutely. All right. And the beauty of a podcast is you can rewind it to get that contact information. So please do that. Derek, thank you so much for bringing Brent on the show. Brent, of course, thank you for being here and giving us such great information. And our last thank you goes to the listening audience. Thank you for tuning in and listening to the Live Life Liberated podcast with the team from Centura Wealth Advisory. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when they come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at Centura Wealth Advisory, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time.
0: Thank you for listening to the Live Life Liberated podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Centura Wealth Advisory. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Centura Wealth Advisory Centura is an SEC-registered investment advisor with its principal place of business in San Diego, California. Centura and its representatives are in compliance with the current registration and notice filing requirements imposed on SEC-registered investment advisors, in which Centura maintains clients. Centura may only transact business in those states in which it is notice filed or qualifies for an exemption or exclusion from notice filing requirements. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Tax relief varies based on client circumstances and all clients do not achieve the same results.